Well, happy New Year's Eve. Y'all doing all right? Good. Happy New Year's Eve. We, uh, we have a, uh, a great opportunity. I can't think of a better place to be on the last day of 2017 than in church. Amen. Y'all believe that? Obviously you do because you're here, right? But what a great opportunity we have just on this last day of 2017. And as we look back on 2017, we just know that God, uh, in your life, uh, God has been with you. God has been near you. You know, there are times when you may not feel that God is really, really close, but he is there. And he wants to speak something to you today. He wants to speak a word uh, to you today. And I believe that what God has uh, uh, spoken to me and given to me, he, if he was, Jesus were standing right here, right now, he would share uh, some words, probably say it a little bit better than I would, but he would say uh, this message to you uh, today, and it deals with as we approach year 2018. But as we approach 2018, there's a lot of things to look forward to. Uh, I, I want to invite you out next Sunday, because next Sunday we are going to take communion. We're going to take the Lord's Supper, the very first Sunday of the year. And this actually be the first time we're, uh, we're taking the Lord's Supper here uh, uh, at this location. But we'd love for you to come back and uh, as we take that as a church. But also on the 14th, we're going to have a really, really big Sunday. And that is called One Chair Sunday. And on that, on that day, we're going to uh, share what we feel like how God has spoken to us about how we're gonna approach this big project that he's put in front of us. Um, as, you, as you know, this is something that, uh, this isn't our idea, this has been a God thing with the potential land and uh, how we're going uh, to, uh, to move there uh, one day, and, but it's a big project and we can't do it. <laughs> isn't that good news? Isn't that good news, we can't do it? You know, sometimes you have to face things, big obstacles in your life, and you just got to tell yourself, I can't do this, but God can, but God can. One thing we can do, we can have faith that God can do big things, especially when it's very clear that God is moving us in a direction. When God speaks something in your life and says, I want you to do this, but God, it's, it's really, really big. I know it's big. I can't do this, God. I know you can't. I don't want you. I just want you to have faith that I can. And that's all God wants to do. You know, he has so much power and so much might that, that he's got to display it somewhere. I believe that one reason why that there's so many galaxies beyond that we can't even see is because God's power and creativity is so big that he's got to have a playground, right? It's a canvas, it's a place where he can like, man, I just, that's got to do something. I mean, you feel like that. You know, sometimes guys, you ever get to a point where like you're, you're in front of a computer too long, you know, and it's like, okay, I got to go out and like cut some wood, you know, or work in the yard, you know, or whatever. And ladies, you could be this, you could be the same way. You may not cut wood. I mean, you know, you do what you do, you know, but, but whatever it is, that, that other thing you like to do, it's like, man, I just need to, I need to go and do something. I think God is like that. I think God Gets to the point, it's like, man, I just, I just need to show forth my glory and show forth my power and my might. And, and he's always looking for those avenues, those channels 
to display his glory. And he wants to do that through the church and he wants to do that through you as well. So when you're facing something in your life, especially if God's calling you to do it, but even then, if an obstacle, a hard time, a hardship, there's nothing wrong with saying, I can't do this. You know, in our culture now, there's this big, you know, there's kind of this big push. You, you could do this. You could do this. And yeah, it, it's important to rally the troops, you know, with the team and, and, and to be able to accomplish something, whether it's sports or through business or whatever. We do that as a, as, as a staff team. And, but more importantly, I think there comes time where we need to just ad- admit, Lord, I can't do this. I want everybody to say that together. I can't do this. Say that again. I can't do this. Didn't you, aren't you glad you came to church and get uplifting words like that? <laughs> but what it, what it does is it sets up. It sets up an opportunity for God to step in. I think God is listening for people to cry out to him and say, God, I can't do this. And God moves in. You know, when our kids, especially when they're little, and they say, I, Dad, I can't do this. You can't? I can. Let me show you how I can do this. Now, as they get older, it's now flipped. You know, sometimes, you know, I'll like, I'll like you know, I can't figure out this remote. You know, I don't, I don't even know how to get to the right channel. I can't do this. Let me help you, Dad. You know, but God is looking for avenues, looking for people, listening for people to tell and to cry out to him, God, I can't do this. And that is a great place to be. And so as we approach this, this, year, this new year, I believe that God wants to do great things in your life. And I believe that God wants to see you succeed, okay? Succeed to do well. It's just like our children. We want our children to be successful. We want our children to, be, to do well, right? For those who are parents, I mean, we, we want our kids to do great things. We want them to feel like they can walk with, with some confidence and they're doing some awesome stuff. But God is the same way with us. He, as our father and we, his children, he wants to see us be successful to do great things. Now, the definition of, a, of success, I'm not talking about becoming mega rich. And I mean, if that's what God wants to do, that's fine, you know. But what I'm talking about is being successful, being, being um, a, a great father, a great mother, a great parent, you know, a great, I mean, an awesome grandparent, a, a great student at your school, a great athlete, being successful in your business, being successful in your relationships, get, getting, in, getting involved with things, getting involved in, in local, uh, local government, providing leadership in the community. Whatever it is, God wants his church to be successful, his children to be successful. He wants his church to thrive. He wants his children to thrive, to do great things. Why? Because we're his kids. And I want our kids to thrive as well. So as we approach 2018, and as I want you to listen to the sermon today, um, I want you to ask God, God, what do you want me to do in 2018? And I'm not talking New Year's resolutions, you know, 
If you do that, that's great. I've learned just not to do that, you know. But if you really want to do great things, ask God. God, what do you want me to do? What, how can I thrive as a parent? How can I thrive and be the best husband, to be the best uh, wife, to, to be the best businessman that I can be? Whatever it is, how can I thrive to be the person you designed me to be? Because God, I can't do it on my own. And so with this power, he's gonna help us. And so today, I just want you to get, I wanna give you just a simple formula that you could take with you to uh, this next year. I wanna give you just a simple formula that you can use that requires faith. In fact, it's so easy, it spells out the word faith. F-A-I-T-H. We're gonna make it really, really easy, okay? Because we're gonna stay up late tonight you know, and bring in the new year, you know, and that kind of stuff. So I just want to make it really easy for you and for me as well. So as, as, uh, as we move on, know that it's going to take faith to do these things. And faith is believing and, do, and, uh, and putting your, your belief to action. You know, it's one thing to believe that God wants you to do great things. It's one thing to believe that God is calling you to become a better whatever, or to do whatever in 2018, whatever that, that looks like for you. But it's one thing to believe, and it's another thing to act on that belief. And never, whenever we act on the belief, that is faith. Faith is putting feet to your belief. Let me say that again. Faith is putting feet to your belief. That's why as a church, God's called us to purchase 20 acres. All right, we can't do this. Guys, like, I know, I got this. And we are putting feet to our belief. We believe, God, you're telling us to do this. And that is building our faith. And as we approach you know, January and on into February and in our five-year anniversary on February 18th, you know, I mean, it's all gonna culminate on that. I mean, the, the next few weeks at Lake Point Church is just, I mean, God is just gonna show up in huge, huge ways. I see it, I feel it. And so we're acting out in our belief and that is faith. So this new year, whatever you believe about it, do something about it and that is faith. No matter how crazy it is, nothing is too crazy. So as you, uh, as you go on with this uh, faith, the first thing you gotta do is you gotta formulate a plan. There's your F, you gotta formulate a plan. And we see this in the story of Joshua. Now, before we get to Joshua, let me just back up just a little bit and kind of bring you up to speed of what, how Joshua became the leader of the Israelites. First, you've heard of Moses, let my people go, all right? So Moses, God worked through Moses. And, and, and by the way, Moses told God the same thing, I can't do this. God's like, I know, I know but I've called you and I'm gonna move a great power. And he did. And so Moses, uh, with God's power, God released the children of Israel and they approached the Red Sea. And as they approached the Red Sea, they had the Red Sea and they had the Israelite army and they didn't know what to do. 
and God's like, I'm gonna show up in power. He parted the Red Sea, they walked all across the Red Sea, and the Egyptian, ar- Egyptian army said, hey, that's pretty cool. I think we can do that too. And God's like, I don't think so. And then so all the water crashed in. The uh, Egyptian army, the whole Egyptian army, the power, most powerful army in the world at that time, gone, drowned, all the horses, everything, uh, which probably uh, you know, hurt Israel, I mean, hurt Egypt pretty bad. And pretty much in the matter of, of, a, of a couple of days, the, their whole uh, workforce, and their slavery workforce and their army gone. And so it it took a long time for for Egypt to recover from that, I would imagine. And so once they crossed over the Red Sea, they had the opportunity to go to the promised land. They had a little trip, uh, you know, with uh, with the the 10 commandments and God spoke to them and handed that to them and and that kind of stuff. So, So on the way to the promised land, they had this little river they had to cross called the Jordan River. So they had to cross this Jordan River and they were like, okay, well, we got to get across this. And, 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 but before we got across this, we got we to gotta understand who is in this promised land. Because we haven't been here. Our family hasn't been here in over 40 years. I'm sorry, 400 years. And so Abraham, which we studied, who we studied, who used to live there, they moved over to, uh, to Egypt. Now, I'll share more about that later in a later sermon series. But the Israelites... We're standing on the edge of the bank of the Jordan, and they sent out 12 spies to look at the land. And as you probably are familiar with that, they saw giants in the land, uh, but they also had, uh, saw milk and honey and all this stuff. And uh, two of the guys were like, yeah, we can take this. God can do this. And uh, 10 of the guys said, nope. So they voted on it. And because they disobeyed God, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. That whole generation, 18-year-old and older who were part of that group died, passed on, except for Moses and the two gentlemen who said, hey, we could do this. And one of those guys was Joshua. So after Moses passed on, Joshua, who God put him in charge, said, all right, now after 40 years, it's time to take over the promised land. So here they are, they're standing at the edge of the Jordan, and what they do is they see that God has given this over to them. And as we see in, um, in Joshua chapter one, verses um, 10 through 11. Joshua chapter one, verses 10 through 11, it simply says this. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God has given you for your own. So Joshua formulated a plan. If you look at that passage in, in, uh, in verse 10 and 11, you see that God uh, told him to get ready before sending out the spies. And, and in, in, in chapter two in verse one, we see that Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies uh, from Shittim. Go look over the lamb, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. So these, these gentlemen, they, they were sent out by Joshua 
secretly. I find that very interesting because when Moses sent out, they made it, you know, they called 12 guys, one from each tribe of, of, of Israel, and then they came back and voted on it, made a big deal. Joshua was like, no, we're not gonna do that. There's not gonna be a vote because God has told us we need to go. So we're gonna do this. So he just sent out a couple of spies out and then they uh, looked over the land. So formulate the plan. Joshua told them to get ready before he sent out the spies. Joshua set a timeline. In three days, we will start this thing. So he's formulating a plan. Joshua gave them directions. Joshua reminded them of God's desire for them to thrive. When he says, the land God has given you for your own. You're gonna have your own land. You're gonna thrive, and God has given it to you. Joshua did this different than last time because, as we said, he sent out he sent those spies out secretly. So Joshua, knowing that he had to get the people over there, he formulated a plan. So how we can fit that in our lives is this. How do we formulate a plan? So you want to get your provisions ready before getting an opinion. For, uh, for example, if God has called you to thrive in your finances... By getting out of debt, then prepare by making a list of your spending cuts. You don't need to get an opinion on whether or not you need to get out of debt. You need to, you need to formulate a plan. And this is just one example. Whatever, whatever uh, the steps look like, whatever God has called you to, to do in 2018, we need to formulate that plan. And there's nothing wrong with planning. Uh, set a date to begin your plan. If you don't, it will never happen. You gotta set a date. You gotta set a timeline, just like Joshua. Joshua said, hey, in three days, we're, we're crossing over, okay? And he, it, it's very interesting. He said that before he even sent out the spies. I don't care what's over there. I don't care if there's aliens over there. We're going, and we are crossing over in three days. And so you wanna set a timeline. Give yourself clear directions on where you're going. If you don't place borders outlining your plan, then it will never happen. For the example of finances, of getting out of debt, if, if there's no clear directions or borders, it won't happen. And then remind yourself that God wants you to thrive. Search in scripture, somewhere in God's word, that encourage you, encourages you in the area that you are trying to thrive. So you want to search for God's word that will encourage you that will help you. And then last, send out some, what I call spies, to look to see specific items that will help you formulate the plan. The best, the best people to help you, uh, for instance, get out of debt, finances, are people who, who manage their money well, or maybe they used to be in debt and they got out of debt. You know, look to people. Get, bring spies into your life. That can, that can look ahead and can help you formulate that plan. Get wise counsel, whether it be finances, marriage, parenting, whatever that is. And so whatever area God wants you to thrive in, formulate that plan. The second thing is, is to attack the problem, to attack the problem. So part of the plan that Joshua formulated was to attack 
the problem as we see in chapter two, verse, verses one and three. We, we already read verses one, but Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent out two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. Jericho is a massive city. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. So we need to formulate a plan and we need to attack the problem. The problem with entering into the promised land is the first city they would come to is Jericho. Now Jericho was a massive city with major walls around it. And so rather than ignoring that and just trying to bypass it, they knew they had to attack it head on. Because if they knew if, if, if God could, could somehow demolish Jericho and through their power and their ability as well, then they know they're gonna send a message to everybody in that region. Wow, the Israelites, which is some biblical scholars said it was up to four to five million people. They would come out of Egypt and demolish the city and everybody else would be shaken in their boots. So Joshua attacked the problem. Jericho was a stronghold. Um, The plans of Joshua Um, were almost exposed by the king of Jericho. This was a potential problem because of going into the heart of the stronghold, as we read there in in the passage. So, So when you are trying to thrive in an area, it's probably in an area that has some strongholds in your life. Maybe it's dealing with anger. Maybe it's dealing with lust. Maybe it's dealing with gluttony. Maybe it's dealing with, you know, whatever depression, or whatever it is, there's probably a stronghold in your life. Whatever that Jericho is in your life, you need to attack it. You can't ignore it. Because if they were to bypass Jericho and try to get the other cities, Jericho would come up from behind them. And then they'd be really trapped. They'd be in a big pickle. So when you are... wanting to thrive in a certain area, then you need to attack the problem. You need to, you need to um, go after it. The enemy will try to expose you when you're about to attack the problem, just like the king of Jericho. Your enemy will try to expose you uh, when you're trying to attack the problem. So do it quickly and thoroughly, you know? So like, you know, for instance, place, if, if there's some uh, things coming into your house that shouldn't be coming to your house through internet. Place that internet filter in your house, on your phone. Delete those secret friends from your life. If you don't, the enemy will use those to expose you and bring you down. And again, I'm just sharing some examples that could be in your life or somebody else's life that you know, that you can share hope and you can share uh, an inspiration to help them thrive in 2018. But know this, when God calls you to attack a problem, there's going to be enemies. There's going to be people. There's going to be uh, things out there that's going to try to expose that. So continue on. It's okay. And 
Don't let pride step in the way. You know, pride is one of the biggest things that's gonna cause us to, to step away from attacking the problem. Well, I don't, I, I don't want people to think this. Or, you know, it, it takes a lot of guts to walk into a counselor's office. It does. It takes a lot of guts, and it takes courage, and it takes humility to walk into a counselor's office to get some counseling. Even if it's, no matter where it is, especially right here in town, you know? It's like, oh, I wonder who's gonna see me there. Who cares? Who cares? They probably need to be in counseling too. So don't let pride, don't let the enemy stop you from attacking whatever problem that is. Because if you, if you allow it, then it will never happen. If Joshua... If Joshua knew that the king was doing that, oh, they found us out. Hey, pull out, guys. We, we can't do this. No, he didn't. They pressed on. So when you formulate a plan, we need to attack the problem. There's your A. Here's your I. Remember, we're spelling faith. F-A-I, or an I. Identify the past. After Joshua formulated the plan, a plan to attack the problem, his instructions for crossing the Jordan River reminded the nation of Israel something about their past. In, in Joshua chapter three, verses one, I'm sorry, verse 13. Joshua chapter three, verse 13, it says this. And as soon as a priest who carried the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Now, what's really, really interesting, here's a side note about this. This is basically Joshua is telling the Israelites what's going to happen. I mean, it's amazing. He's not, he's not giving a narrative of what's happening at that moment. He's telling them what's going to happen. Look, when, when the priests, when they set foot in that water and they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant and they're walking over, as soon as they put their foot in there, the water, it's gonna part. I mean, for Joseph, for, for Joshua to, to say that is bold and that's faith to believe in that. So when, when God's calling you to cross over into a new land for you to thrive in, whatever area God's dealing with you. Walk it by faith. Say, I believe, God, whenever I start going to counseling or, or when I, you know, start, you know, taking time away, you know, from, from work and just let that be what it is and focus on other more important things, I believe, God, that you are going to, to do this. You're going to show me that it, we're heading in the right direction. It happens all the time. God is waiting for you as a step of faith. God is waiting for you to step into the water and to, and to, and to cross over. But with the Israelites, they identified with something. It, they identified uh, with their past and so they must have been thinking. I remember, everybody at that time, if they were 17 years old or younger and able to remember the Red Sea. 
I can imagine some of those, you know, 55, 60 year old folks about to cross over into, into the promised land going, wait a second, I remember this. I was about 15, 16, 17 years old, and I remember going through the Red Sea going, holy cow, this is awesome. I remember this. I identify with this. I identify with the past. So it, I would imagine it helped them to remember past victory. That was a victory. The Red Sea party are you kidding me? One of the biggest miracles in the Bible. It was a victory. So they were, I'd be able to identify with that. But they also, get this, identified with a past failure. Because here's the deal. Whenever they cross over to the Red Sea and they were on dry land and God, God gave them 10 commandments and said, all right, get ready. You ready, guys? Okay, we're, we're gonna go. You're gonna go. We're gonna go into the promised land. Okay, you're sending 12 people. Okay, that's great. Wait, what? You decided not to go? Are you kidding me? That's, that was a failure for the Israelites. Did not trust in God. Did not trust in the Lord. And just days later, did a miracle, the Red Sea. Did not trust in the Lord. So they identified with their past failures. Why is that important? Here's why it's important. There are times when, um, when we're going to need to identify with our past. You will be able to attack the problem best when you identify the times when you have been successful and when you have failed. You need to identify what made you be successful in your previous, for instance, weight loss and what made you fail. You may think, well, I, I lost more weight whenever I went away from Krispy Kreme or when I didn't go around some of these people who you know, were always you know, feeding me junk food or whatever. Whatever it was, you need to go back and say, I was really successful then. I identify with the past. Or you say, man, I, I really botched it. You know, I... For an example of, of, of anger, you say, well, I really botched that conversation and I really blew my lid and I, I associate that with the past and, and, and here's the reason why. And you start understanding a pattern that you can identify and say, oh, this this happens, this leads up to every time when I blow my lid, when I yell at people, whatever it is. And so you identify your failures and you identify your victories. And yes, you need to understand all, both of them, your victories and your failures as you overcome and your setbacks. And you need to look at those, you need to identify that because it's going to help you. Because the Israelites, when they look back and they're like, okay, we could do this. If we could cross the Red Sea, we can cross the Jordan River. Absolutely, I remember that. Or, you know, I remember after we crossed the Red Sea, we didn't go to the Promised Land. Guess what? We're going this time. Obviously, when they cross over the Jordan River, they're in the Promised Land, but they're gonna take it. 
They're gonna do what God has called them to do. So we need to formulate a plan. We need to uh, attack the problem. We need to identify the past. Here's your T. We need to trust the power. We need to trust the power. Um, the Israelites saw that power when the walls came down at Jericho. In Joshua chapter 6, verse 20, it says this. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. So these great walls collapsed at the sound of trumpets after circling the city for seven days. They didn't build ramps. They didn't build siege ramps and bring them in from the woods and, um, <coughs> and wheel them in and go over the walls. They didn't do that. They just marched around the city. And then they yelled, ooh. I'm sure the people of Jericho are like, what are they doing? Don't they know that these walls, there's no way these walls are gonna come down. They don't have anything. So when, when God called them to do something, he asked them to do something that was a little bit unconventional. He asked them to do something that seemed a little bit weird, a little bit off. God wanted them to trust in his power, to trust in his power. See, the Israelites, they didn't have a home. They were nomads. They didn't have a home. They, just, they were wandering for 40 years. They didn't have a, a central chain of, of command, a city, a city hall. You know, I mean, they didn't have those things. They were living in tents. They didn't have a city. They didn't have a place to, to, to build siege ramps and, 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 and all kinds of things that can attack and bring down these walls. And so God's like, so they were like, we can't do this. God's like, I agree you can't, but I can. God's telling you the same thing. You can't do this, but I can. But God, I, I, can't, really, I can't really get my marriage to the place where it really needs to be. God's like, I know. That's why I want to help. That's why I want to help. And so trusting in that power. And another thing you'll notice is that they finished the job. When the walls came tumbling down, that, that wasn't it. That was just the beginning. They went in and they took the city. They killed people. Sword. And it was over. They finished the job. God did the hard work. So what that tells us is this. Look, when, when I want you to thrive in a certain area in your life, I'm going to help you, but you got to do your part. You got to come in and finish and finish the job. We're going to do this together. And so God is telling you, he's telling us, trust in the power, yes, but I want you to finish the job. And I want you to do some things that might be a little bit unconventional, and that's okay. That's okay. I mean, a, a church of how old we are, I mean, how young we are actually, just almost ready to turn five years old, looking at 20 acres of land right here in Emerson, 
It's, it seems a little crazy. But you know what? God's made it clear to us. And it's a little bit, could be a little bit unconventional. That's fine. Some people may be surprised. I was surprised. So we're like, all right, we're, we trust in you, God. We trust in you. You know, if you've ever eaten at a Chick-fil-A, you know that Chick-fil-A, right now, right here in Emerson, they're closed. The reason why they're closed, because they have a conviction in their heart that they want to be closed on Sunday. They want to honor the Lord, give people an opportunity to go worship. And so I, I was reading a report this past week. Chick-fil-A is, has, has, the, has the most revenue of, uh, of any fast food restaurant. Per, I mean, per their size. If you compare their size, I mean, like McDonald's has like billions of McDonald's. But per their size, Chick-fil-A brings in more revenue than any fast food restaurant in the world. And they're closed on one day. They're closed on Sunday. I believe that God is honoring them on that. And, and it's a little unconventional. It's, it's, it kind of goes against the grain. And God may ask you to do something that, that's a little bit weird. It kind of goes against the grain. And if God asks you to do something that's different, go with it. And know that it's all part of trusting in his power. And so we need to formulate a plan, just like Joshua did. We need to attack the problem. We need to identify with the past. We need to trust the power. And last, we need to honor the promise. We need to honor the promise. Our faith to thrive will be incomplete without our commitment to honor the promise. Where is that promise for Joshua? Well, it's actually back before they entered into the promised land. In Joshua chapter one, verses seven and eight, it says this, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it from the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Did you notice a command to be strong and courageous, surrounds the command to obey his word. He tells us be strong and courageous. Then he says, keep my words, meditate it, that be ever on your lips. Oh, and then I want you to be strong and courageous. You know, there, there's nothing about that that says, I want you to be strong and courageous because you're gonna have to go in there, you're gonna have to use your swords, people are gonna die, but I want you to be strong and courageous. I mean, it's gonna be scary, but I want you to be strong and courageous. When you fight the battle, there's nothing in there about the battles they're gonna fight. It's all about what? Obeying the word of God. Meditating on the word of God. Speaking the word of God on your lips. So he's saying this, and he's telling us too. Be strong and courageous with my word. 
my word. Be strong and courageous with this word. Use this word. You have authority. There are many Christians who are living their life defeated, not walking in victory, because they don't think they have authority. Y'all, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have accepted him and you have the Holy Spirit in your life, you have authority with this word. God has given it to you. This is your sword. He wasn't talking about a, a, a literal sword. He was talking about the word of God. And then Paul goes on in the New Testament. So this is a sword. And so understand this, that you can walk in victory and authority with this word. You just gotta be strong. You gotta be courageous. Don't back down. Use this word. Use this word to thrive. There, there, there's, there's things in here that can help you, that can help all of us thrive in the area that God wants to improve in your life. So, honor the promise. What was the promise? For them, and I, I believe it's for us as well, then you will be prosperous and successful. You know, I, I think if you can... If you could describe the word thrive, prosperous and successful, pretty good alternate words for thriving, I would imagine. God wants you to be prosperous. God wants you to be successful. If you have courage and commit your life to his word and act out what's in God's word and take God's word and use it, put feet to your belief. What is a promise for us? I mean, there's lots of promises in God's word. But I love this, and this is gonna be part of a, uh, a key passage in a series we're gonna start on the 14th called Great Expectations. Mm. You, you want to be there for that. It's a five-week series starting January 14th, Great Expectations, and here's a key passage. It includes promises in Ephesians chapter three, verse 16 through 20, it says this, I pray that you, out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to, to do immeasurably more than all we ever ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Key phrase that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You may be filled, filled. That word, that word doesn't say fill up my cup and there's a little bit of space. You know, like when I go to get coffee somewhere, I'm like, give me a lot of space at the top so I can like fill it up with those other stuff. You know what I'm saying? I like my coffee sweet. No, he's saying that word means overflowing. 
with all of who God is. Don't you want your life to overflow in power and might and authority and walking in confidence in God and what God is doing in your life? Yes, that is how we thrive. That's a promise of God. And so as you enter into 2018, walk it by faith. Choose that area, and, and, and by the way, focus in on one area. Don't try to do multiple things at a time. Just pick one, pick a Jericho. Don't pick a Jericho and a bunch of other cities at the same time. Pick one place that you need to attack with God's power and do that and decide on that. Pray about it and do it by faith. Put your feet to belief, okay? Put feet on your belief, and that is called faith, and formulate a plan, attack the problem, identify your past, learn from your past, you know, and then trust the power and honor the promise. Honor the promise, meaning live your life, like it says there in Ephesians chapter three. And that is a formula that you and I can use as we thrive in 2018. Because God wants to see you successful and prosperous in your areas and walking in victory.